Well, good morning to each one. I, too, greet you in Jesus' name. I, too, enjoyed the Sunday school lesson, and particularly this series of lessons. I find them very uh, encouraging, and uh, I'll be sad when we get through them, but we had another good discussion today, and I was blessed. Today for a message, I want to share the sermon I had prepared for two weeks ago. That Saturday evening, Beverly and I had went out for supper and uh, came back. I had this sermon printed out. It was in my Bible. I went to bed feeling well, but about midnight, I woke up and I knew instantly I was in trouble, and I was in trouble. The stomach, bug, the stomach bug hit with vengeance. And thankfully, Elvin Yoder and his family was in the area visiting family, and I called Elvin, well, first text him, and, and then called him, or he called me back around 6, and, and uh, thankfully he was willing to preach in my place. In fact, I listened to his message yesterday, and I was very encouraged by what he had to share. Uh, that thought of Emmanuel, God with us, and I trust that that's your experience. I trust you know what that is, God with us, very personal. So two weeks ago, December 31, being the last day of the year, I was thinking about time. And this morning I'm thinking about time again. It's our anniversary. We've been married for 29 years. And so again, I'm reflecting on time. The Bible says in Psalm 90 verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I would like to use this verse for our text today. People live by the clock because time is important to all of us. Many people, too, seem to always be fighting the clock. It becomes a way of life, frantically fighting the clock, rushing here and rushing there. Benjamin Franklin said, and I quote, Do not squander time for it is the stuff life is made of. And so in your life, how do you deal with time? How do you deal with the passing of time? Is time your friend or is time your enemy? Well, I'm thankful that the Bible gives us some great insights into how time can become your friend rather than your enemy. And so today we will use the four letters in the word time to help us learn its importance. And so let's start with the letter T. For T, we will use the word treasure. And I believe we understand what it means to treasure something. Something that is treasured is kept carefully 
it is well protected. Teach us to number our days. In other words, treasure time as a valuable commodity. Treasure each day. Did you think about that? Teach us to number our days. Treasure each day. Not necessarily the months or years, but each individual day. Psalm 118 verse 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, so many times we are looking beyond the current moment of time. Tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. And we are sure when we get to that time and when we get to that date, life will be better than it is today. And so we say things like, you know, when the children sleep all night or are all in school or all out of school or all married and going, life will be better. It'll be a better day than today. Well, today is that day. Today is the day that you were dreaming about two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. This is the moment. You have arrived. Wake up and treasure today. Every day is precious, or every day is a precious day because it is God's made. So we must learn to treasure it and number it and rejoice and be glad in it. And those three words at the beginning of our text are so important in treasuring. So teach us, or simply God, teach us. Why do we implore the Almighty to teach us to number our days? Well, I'll tell you why. Because man alone is lousy at numbering his days. And I'm not talking about the man over in Danville or South Boston. I'm talking about you and I. Our nature is lousy when it comes to numbering our days. Because our nature is selfish. Our nature, our focus is on ourselves. Time is ours. That's why we need God to help us to number our days. We need God's wisdom. We need God's direction to treasure each moment of time that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The Bible says in James 1.4, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so we need God's help. We need to implore the help of the Almighty in numbering our days. If we don't have his help, we will get it wrong. A.W. Tozer wrote, and I quote, Time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it up, slow it up, 
hold it up, divide it up or give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. And I want to show you something now that a customer showed me many years ago that I've never forgotten. Jonathan, could you give me a hand up here? So back up a little bit. Okay, so here's a tape measure. Keep going. Right there. Stop right there. Okay, so for the American male, the American men, the American man, the life expectancy is around 73 years. That's right here. And you know what life expectancy means. That means some will die before 73, and some will die after the age of 73. That's the average. For the American woman, the American female, it's around 79. And so this customer, he was reaching retirement age, and he told me this. He got out a tape measure, and he said, I want to show you this. And he said that very same thing. He said the life expectancy for an American male is 73. And he backed up and he said, I'm 65 years old. He said, I've come all that way. He said, I don't have a whole lot of time left if I live to be the average 73 years old. And so you all can see this tape measure. Jonathan, where are you? Show me how old you are. You're out there. Whoa. Whew. You got a long ways to 73. But see, look where I'm at. I'm right here at 49. I'm coming on down the line, ain't I? Let's get a tape measure out once in a while and reflect on it. Let's move on to the second letter in time. For the letter I, we will use the word invest, invest. We use a lot of phrases with time that aren't really possible. You can't buy more time, and you can't really find more time. We speak of making time, but that's impossible too. We even say we are killing time. You can't save time. You can only invest it. Time is more valuable than money, but it's like money in that it can be spent and invested. It's different from money, though, because while money can be saved, time can't. If you don't use it, you lose it. People love time-saving inventions, especially us men. You know, I remember clearly the first microwave oven that my parents purchased. And I remember as a little fellow, my parents 
uh, discussing the microwave for many, many months before they purchased one. You see, they were expensive when they first came out. And finally, some store, I don't know if it was Sears or uh, where it was, but they ran a, a uh, sale on microwaves. And my parents thought, here's the time. We can, we can afford one of these microwaves. And I remember my parents brought that microwave home, and they put it there on the counter, took it out of the box, put it on the counter, it had that digital, digital readout there, which we didn't have many digital things in our house. And Mama, she read into directions to test this microwave, take a coffee cup, fill it up with water, put it inside, set the timer, I believe, for two minutes, on high, and when those two minutes are up, that cup of water or that coffee mug should be boiling. And so Mama, she went and filled up that cup, put it in there, me and my little sisters, we were all gathered around, and she hit that button, whoom, that thing come on, light was in there. We all, that was a long two minutes. But when it was up, that coffee mug was just a bubbling. That was just a bubble. And what a time saver. You know, I grew up eating cream of wheat for breakfast. Does anyone eat cream of wheat anymore? Oh, good, good. And so, you see, before, my sisters and I, we had to wait till the water was boiling on the stove and then go put some in our bowl and then add the cream of wheat, you know, and stir it. Well, now we could just take our bowl put some water in at the spigot, put it in the microwave for a little, and we were ready to make our cream of wheat. What a time-saving machine. But show me, but show me some of the time you have saved with your time-saving devices. You know, you would think with all our time-saving devices, we would have days or weeks with nothing to do because we have saved so much time. But you know, it actually seems to work the opposite way. The more time-saving devices we buy to do things quicker and quickly, the busier we actually become. I can't quite explain that, but it seems to go that way. Well, let's go back to this thought of investing. Billy Graham once said, and I quote, time is the capital that God has given us to invest. People are the stocks in which we are to invest our time, whether they're blue chips or penny stocks or even junk bonds. Where you invest your time reveals what is most important to you. And it said for the average person, sleeping, working, eating, personal hygiene takes about 20 hours a day. And so they say the average person has around four hours a day for his own interest. And if you happen to be one of the average, what you do with those four hours reveals what is most important to you.
Sometimes people say things like, I don't spend much time with my family, but the little time I do spend is quality time. And I ask you this morning, is that phrase quality time, is that correct terminology? Doesn't all time have the same quality? Does throwing lots of cash into a short period of time make that time of higher quality? And consider this very second. Was it of higher quality than the previous second? Or of this second right now? You see, it's like talking about quality money. If I offered you a $100 bill, would you say, no, it's wrinkled. I'd rather have that new $5 bill I see in your wallet because it's a better quality. Well, no, of course not. We gladly take that wrinkled Ben Franklin over a crisp-looking Abraham Lincoln. You see, there is no substitute for investing a large quantity of time with your family. If your family is important, you'll indicate it by how much time you give them. And so where you invest your time reveals what is most important to you. Well, let's move on to the third letter in time. For the letter M, we will use the word manage. Manage. God exists in a realm that is not bound by time and space. He is the creator of time, and he is greater than time. He alone controls time. So in light of that, in light of God, and him being the creator of time, what should be our response? How should we manage our time? The Bible uses another word, instead of managing your time, it speaks of redeeming the time, which is even a better idea. And you can turn to Ephesians 5, I'd like to read 15 through 17. Familiar verses for many. Ephesians 5.15 See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now I have an object lesson here this morning to help us with this thought of redeeming the time, or to help us understand an important part of time management. And so, here is an empty jar. And you can think of this empty jar as your, as your, 24-hour day, or our 24-hour day. 
you can think of this jar as next week or this month or next month. You can think of this jar as of here's your year right here. So currently it's empty. And now I have another jar. And in this jar, I have five rocks. And as you can see, there is no room for one more rock of that size. And I would like to think of this jar of five rocks as the most important things of life. You can think of one of those rocks as your relationship with God. You know, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You can think of a rock, another one of those rocks, as your relationship with others. You know, loving your neighbor as yourself, your family, your wife, wherever you are in life, your siblings, your mom and dad. You can think of another one of those rocks is of the church and your relationship with the church. Another one of those rocks could be your business or your occupation. One of those rocks could be our calling in the kingdom of God, whatever that may be. So that jar is full of five rocks. So now I have another jar. In this jar, there is also five rocks, very similar in size to this jar. Okay, so there's five big rocks in this jar as well. And then I went out to the driveway and I started trickling in gravel and I bumped and I padded the sides and I jiggled till I filled that up. And so I would like to think of the gravel surrounding the big rocks is the whole infrastructure of life that supports the important things of life. And we could discuss that for a length of time, but we're not going to. You let your imagination go. So is that jar full? <laughs> it looks pretty full until I did this. Now in that jar, there's five big rocks, the same, similar to these. I filled it up with gravel, and then I went out to the sandbox, and I shook and I jiggled and I shook and I jiggled till I got all that in. So what is the lesson here about redeeming the time? What is the lesson here about time management. Well, you all probably have all kinds of ideas and could be interesting to hear them. But first of all, I'm going to tell you what the lesson is not. If anyone here is thinking this, this is not the lesson. The lesson is not, no matter how full your schedule is, you can always squeeze in one more thing. That is not the lesson this morning. The lesson is simply this. I went to all this effort to tell you this. 
unless you put the big rocks in first, they will never fit in. So, what are the big rocks in your life? What should go into your schedule jar first? And you must figure that out and make them a priority. Otherwise, you will never get them in. And so, there was a sequence here. The big rocks had to go in first. The gravel, the infrastructure, the everything surrounds this had to go in next. And the sand... Oh, I didn't tell you what I th I'm going to call the sand. I'm just going to call the sand the everyday details of life. You know, everything from feeding the cat to washing the car. That's the sand. It, it's just all the, the miscellaneous. But if that goes in first, there's no room for the rest of it. Y'all get that? All right. So I'm going to put this away and this away. And we'll leave this one out to remind us that the big rock's got to go in first. A time management authority once said, and I quote, time management is a misleading concept. You can't really manage time. You can't delay it, speed it up, save it or lose it. No matter what you do, time keeps moving forward at the same rate. The challenge is not to manage time, but to manage yourself. And boy, did that one ever hurt. But I believe that is what Paul is teaching us in Ephesians 5, if you're still there. He's teaching us to manage yourself. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The phrase walk circumspectly means to walk carefully, be constantly looking around to make the most of every opportunity. And I believe that's the way we should live, looking for every opportunity to invest time wisely. And folks, this is not a goal for the future, but it's how we conduct our lives today. We got to start today. Because when an opportunity passes, it can't be reclaimed. It's gone forever. That's what it means to redeem the time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. If you don't manage your time, someone else will manage it for you. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, so now we come to the final letter in time. For the letter E, we will use the word enjoy. We find the word enjoy used more times in the book of Ecclesiastes than any other book. And I will read three of those verses from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 24 says, Nothing is better for a man that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 13. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. 
chapter 518. Here's what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun. All the days of his life which God gives him, for it is his heritage. I take from these verses, it is good for us to take time to enjoy the good in your labor. In chapter 2, verse 24, it says, it is from the hand of God. 3.13, it says, it is the gift of God. 5.18, it is our heritage from God to us. In other words, it's like our portion or part of our inheritance. Today should be the best day of your life. As I said earlier, this is the day the Lord has made. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Number it. You know, there will always be something else to do. There will always be somewhere else you can be. But if you're going to make enjoying life a priority for you and for your family, you're going to have to learn the power of that little two-letter word, no. Recently, I got a call from a young man in our community he was putting together a neighborhood deer hunt for the Friday before Christmas. And he was calling to see if I and maybe some of our boys would like to join the hunt. And over the past years, neighbors have invited us to hunt with them and so often we have said, oh, we'd love to, but we're just too busy, especially the Friday before Christmas. But this year, on the Friday before Christmas, I put a message on the phone, business phone, that HOD is closed for the holidays, and Quinn and I went hunting with the neighbors. And what an enjoyable time we had. And first we met with the guys early in the morning and we planned the hunt. And yes, the adrenaline rush when a pack of walker hounds is headed your way. We enjoyed tracking wounded deer together. We enjoyed talking about life and enjoying each other's stories. And yes, even I putting up with the sly comments about my shooting skills. Enjoy time. You know, 25 years from now, or 10 years from now, five years from now, what is going to be the most important? Spending time with your neighbors, with your family or friends, or one more garage door sale? Nobody 
on their deathbed has ever said, I wished I had spent more time at work. You know, the tape measure tells us that we don't have long to live. In fact, read your Bible. It says the same thing. James 4.14 says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Now is the time to set your house in order. You don't have long to live. Some of you have less than 10 years and you will be dead and going. If you have unfinished business in your life, it's time to get it finished and done. Your life is like a vapor. The Bible says that our flesh is like grass. It grows up and is soon cut down. So let's make some happy memories of time. Time to treasure, time to invest, time to manage, time to enjoy. In my study, I came across something that blessed me. And so today I want to share that with you. We can call it a practical recommendation that may help us in treasuring, investing, managing, and enjoying time. And you know, Brother Nathan, he gives you homework assignments, and that's good. I like those. But I'm thinking I'm giving you something to discuss around the lunch table, okay? Not homework, but I want you to take this and discuss it as families around the lunch table. Okay, so here we go. And I'm going to read it pretty much as I found it. We're a piled-on, stretched-to-the-limit society. We're chronically rushed, chronically late, chronically exhausted. Many of us feel like Job when he said, Job 3.26, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. And let me tell you, I missed a line here that I wanted to share. But this recommendation that I am launching out into is simply this. And it, it's, here it is. Add some margin to your life. Okay? All right. Many of us feel like Job did when he said, Job 3.26, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Overload comes when we have too much activity in our lives. Simply put, we're stressed by the pace of life. Is there a solution? Yes. The solution is to put some margin into your life. Margin is breathing room. It keeps a little reserve that you're not using up. It's not going from one meeting to the next with no space in between. Margin is the space between your load and your limit. Hopefully your load is not heavier than your limits. But the truth is that most of us are far more overloaded than we can handle, and there is no margin for error in our life. Margin is having breath at the top of the staircase, money at the end of the month, and sanity left over at the end of each day. 
Marginless is not having time to finish the book you're reading on stress. Margin is having the time to read it twice. And so he goes on and says this, four benefits of putting margin in your life. His first point is peace. When you're not hurrying and worrying all the time, you have time to think, time to relax, time to enjoy life. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. You've got, you got to have some margin for that to happen. You've got to have a place for that to happen. His second point is better health. Unrelenting stress harms our bodies. We all know that. Yet we let it continue day after day after day. Many times the only time we get margin in our lives is when the heart attack almost happens or does happen or the blood pressure skyrockets. Why do we wait until our health plummets before we make this decision? The truth is your body needs downtime in order to heal. Race cars make pit stops occasionally in order to get repaired. You can't fix anything going 200 miles an hour, yet we try to be repaired while we're still racing through life. Margin builds in time for better health. Number three, stronger relationships. Lack of margin is one of the big reasons for the collapse of the American family today. When we don't make relationships a priority and make time for each other, our relationships suffer. The truth is, relationships take time, and margin provides the time to sit and talk, to listen and enjoy one another, and to provide the comfort we each need. Point number four, usefulness in the kingdom of God. When you're overloaded by activity, you can only think of yourself. You're in survival mode, just trying to make it through another day. But being available to God for his use makes all the difference in this world. When you have no margin in your life, when God taps you on the shoulder and says, I'd like for you to do this, your first response isn't joy. Your response, your first response is, oh no, another thing to do. Sorry, God, I'd like to do that, but I'm just too busy. We end up presenting the great opportunities God brings into our lives, but when you have margin, you're available for God to use. You don't have to live on overload. You don't have to live in survival mode. Begin today to build a buffer around your schedule, then enjoy the benefits of margin and see what God does next. Time is God's precious gift. Thank you for your time and attention today. And maybe just one small part of this or one sentence God could use to change our lives for all time. In closing, I would like to read Psalm chapter 90. You know, I ask you at the beginning, is time your friend or is time your enemy? Time does not need to be our enemy because our life, our days are in God's hands. In Psalm 37, verse 23, it says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. 
Psalm chapter 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withered. You have been consumed by your anger, for we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away, and your wrath we are finished our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We'll call for a closing song. Yeah.